back to the pod um I'm about to see if I'm delivering anything today I've already recorded the morning episode around 8 something it's like a little after 12 right now it's 12.06 p.m. um so I'm barely leaving the house got no orders under my belt the app Uber Eats has been on for 10 minutes, about 8 minutes. Um, my goal is to turn it on before, um, before uh, noon. So I'm going to go to one of the spots that's kind of a hot spot. At least it was in the past when I've gone over there around 10 something in the day. I'm going to go to that spot, then wait like 10, 15. And if it doesn't work at all, there's another spot over closer by the mall. Then I'm going to go try to try to get to. Otherwise, I don't know if I don't make anything today we'll see I think what I'm gonna actually do while I'm waiting at this first area I'm going to see if I can sign up for Postmates or Grubhub or something else um just so I can maybe have multiple apps um but I think I'm waitlisted for Postmates so I think I won't have that option, possibly. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people out right now, walking around. Um, But yeah, I wanted to talk some more about CBT with you guys. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Um, See what you guys have been thinking on it since I last brought it up. Since I last put it as a topic. Um, I feel like people kind of liked it, so I'm down to continue that conversation. Um, but I will say, um, I don't know if this spot's going to be a good one, actually. Because I don't see any shade. Well, there's a little shade. But not a lot of shade. I think people have caught on to my little uh, plans of when I park in spaces that have some shade to them. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to do this now. Um, And so... Pull more into the shade. That's about as far into the shade as I can get. So let's talk. Let's talk about uh, that CBT life. Um. So when people 
are practicing CBT, I think one of the harder things for people to really find um, is actually doing the actions of it, of the actual exercises, Um, if that makes sense. It's like people often don't want to sit and reflect because CBT does require a lot of reflection. Um, now, r- reflecting with a therapist or some type of provider, peer support, whatever it may be, reflecting with a person like that can be a little bit hard because sometimes people aren't really ready to even start really doing therapy and working on any specific thing. Like, I can give you an example, like, you know, like, I've enrolled in therapy before where it was like, I like having the support there, knew that I needed the support there, um, it helped me to just know that, okay, if things start getting worse or if I need more support, there's a therapist here that's supportive, um, but, yeah, otherwise... I hadn't, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, usually we don't, um, usually we, um, uh, yeah, usually that's kind of, Um, yeah, usually people don't talk about that specifically, like, usually what happens is, you know, if you need a therapist, you'll register to get one, and then once you have one, it kind of might depend from there how things are going to really go, so... Um, yeah, so a lot of times people do maybe prefer, though, to do it at home by themselves, and that's an option, and the importance of it, I think the main importance of it is actually doing the reflection activities, that, um, ABC worksheet, filling it in, um, writing it down, Uh, if you can't write, then maybe audio record or talk it out loud. Um, something to kind of get it out and onto something that's kind of, you know, somewhere where you can reflect, somewhere where you can kind of go in and see kind of what you're able to do. So when it comes to cognitions, when it comes to thoughts... Um, a lot of times it's tricky for people because they're like, like a lot of times in the moment I can realize when did I feel not at my best in the last day or so. So like yesterday, for example, I can think that, you know, I felt fine. Like emotionally I felt good. Um, but I did have a dip in my energy after I ate lunch but I'm pretty sure it was because it was after I ate lunch. And I did have some caffeine 
and it might have been like a PMS thing too, I don't really know, but, um, you know, I had some energy dip, but then I also got through it, and uh, I, I laid down thinking, okay, I need a nap, but it only took me like five, ten minutes to kind of snap out of it. I started wanting to podcast, and then I kind of didn't really, and then I was like, let me just go outside, go outdoors and chill, um, so I kind of did that, and then kind of called it a day, you know, but, um, yeah, like, I didn't have any significant experiences yesterday where I wasn't feeling good, um, and then the day before, um, I would say, you know, I had a social event to attend to. And so I kind of hoped that I would be a little bit more social. And so I had some green tea, a little bit of green tea. So I'd feel more alert and like sharp when I was like hanging out. Um, so... I don't really know. Um, so I wasn't really sure, but um, that's kind of where where my mind went, you know. Mostly, I was just like, okay, I haven't had any bad days or bad uh, situations for quite a few days now, so I wasn't like too concerned. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I think, let me see, if I look at my notes of when was the last day that I had kind of a rough time at all, um, Thursday was the day that I was surprised by last week, because I was like, you know, I was, I had the go button on all day, and it didn't really negatively impact me, which I was a little bit surprised by, um, but yeah, like, I don't really know, like, I, I, I wasn't really able to figure that out as to, like, why, um, why I hadn't really had more situations where um, I was feeling kind of lower. Uh, I definitely have changed some things about the way I eat. Not a whole lot, but changed a little bit, like less carbs and, you know, like definitely keeping control over the caffeine. Um, but yeah, I don't really know if there's anything specific that I've been doing. Uh, other than getting a little bit of exercise. And I feel like the exercises I'm... The exercise that I'm getting isn't, like, significant, if that makes sense. Like, it's not, like, that intensive, really. Um, so I really don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I just wasn't too sure. And, um, yeah, I'm... I, you know, like, I don't know, I'm trying to give, like, examples, but I don't really have any specific ones, so, um, let me see if I can find 
any more info in my notes. Like, I don't think I have a lot going on in my notes. I've been taking a lot less notes about my days lately. Um, but yeah, today's Monday, and since Thursday, I haven't really had any kind of rough patches. So that's a good... Um, a good stretch. Uh, let me see. I think maybe that previous weekend, it was like that Friday, Saturday, Sunday before last week started. Um, so that would have been like the fifth or so. Um, those were some harder days, like around the 5th, but ever since then, you know, I, I haven't had any significantly difficult days, um, things might start getting a little bit challenging, um, but I'm not sure if they are going to for sure, um, so... I'm on my family's WhatsApp and they're just sending like tons and tons and tons of messages. Um, I keep getting all these updated photos. Um, so let's see. Um, I think we've talked some about anxiety. I wouldn't say that anxiety is easier to deal with than depression, but I would say sometimes, sometimes it can be. And like, so I would say depression can be easier to deal with at times because like at least a lot of times there might not be that avoidance. Um, not always, but a lot of times, you know, I've noticed that there might not be, like, that avoidance, like, with anxiety, how there's that avoidance. So, yeah, there might not be that avoidance. Um, but when it comes to, uh, I don't know, some other things, um, there might be kind of a little bit more of, like, I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it an avoidance, like, it's, it's more, like, when, with anxiety, it's more of, yeah, anxiety, the difficulty is more of the avoidance, but the ease might be that, you know, if you're not too drained out yet, seagulls are loud, if you're not too drained out, then you might have energy, with depression, I feel like the difficult part is you might not have energy to like perform these self-care tasks but you know you might not have that avoidance and aversion towards doing the task unless you're fatigued from the depression um and so it does become a little bit um there is kind of this challenge to it all um but I don't really know guys like it's really it's really an interesting an interesting thing to try to to try to check out, you know.
and see kind of what's going on, what's happening. Um, I'm not getting any orders, guys. This is so lame. Um, I'm just going to sit here and record. I might go out tonight, do deliveries tonight. I don't know yet because it gets busy in the evenings. Um, but I do need to figure something out. But yeah, um, I would say, yeah, it can get a little bit difficult, like a little bit more difficult with things, but it's not always, like it's not always, you know, uh, the absolute hardest thing. Um, it's not really, um, I think it's kind of like going to the gym. Like once you get the momentum going and it becomes part of a routine and you kind of see that movement, then you're more likely to continue doing the steps. Um, a lot of people don't really like to do the steps, uh, cause there's pain involved and nobody likes to embark on a journey of pain like no, most people don't unless it's some kind of pain that for some reason they get some kind of pleasure from um but most people yeah most people aren't really trying to delve into like deep pain but I don't know guys like it's It can be something that's a little bit difficult uh, to really wrap a head around. So, yeah, I don't really know what people think. Um, what people really would plan to try to do. Um, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm just not too sure, like, you know, basically if a person's not ready to do something, it's going to be pretty hard to really sit and work on these things. Um, it's almost like, I mean, it's not the same thing because there's pain involved, but it's almost like when somebody's like, I want to learn a language or I want to learn to play guitar, it's like you have to sit and do it, you know, like, you're not going to just wake up and out of sheer willpower know how to have the skills, you know, you have to practice it, uh, the good thing about these types of skills is when you have the worksheets or, like, the content to follow up with, you usually can do it, like, I think the only people that it might be a barrier for is like if you have some kind of cognitive or learning issue where you can't really understand the material or where it can't be explained or if there's like a language barrier where you can't find the material or just a general um, lack of educational resources. Like, of course, not everybody goes to school and they teach you what CVT means. I mean, I even took a psych class in high school as an elective. I think it was my junior or senior year. 
and I took that class and I don't think we even learned what CBT was in that class and I took classes in community college it was mostly statistics and just theory I also don't think we learned what CBT was in undergrad um, up until maybe like upper division classes maybe we started learning what some of the theories were um, and now you know with psychology being so much more uh, I hate to use the word popular that's not the right word but psychology is a lot more um, you know on people's radar like the field is the treatment is um, people are a lot more maybe aware that certain terms exist because you will find people online there's people like me there's other people who you know go to therapy and then they start talking about their journey and they discuss it more um so you'll find that and that's something that's more common that you'll see coming up um but yeah it's not like always um It's not really always something that people uh, gravitate towards doing. It's not something that everybody likes. Um, I would say CBT is one of the easier things to practice by yourself. Um, that doesn't usually require a lot of a lot of help to go through it. Like I think. If you have, like, maybe, like, a 7th grade or so, uh, like, I'd say, like, a 6th to 8th grade level minimum, um, you could probably read through those worksheets and kind of figure it out. I think maybe if your reading is maybe less than that, that reading level, then it might be... You might need a little bit more help uh, just with a, a few like word definitions. Um, but I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I would say. I would say it's hard for people, but it's not the absolute hardest thing for people. Um, so I don't know if I gave any examples of how people would use the skills with depression, um, but in general, um, you know, focusing on energy dips, times when your mood is low. I mean, it doesn't maybe have to meet criteria for, like, severe depression or some kind of a disorder. Like, just even feeling sad or... I mean, grief can usually technically be in a different category, but 
sometimes it can be in the same category. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it can be a little bit, um, like, I feel like it's, like, it's something that people are able to understand, uh, how to, how to work with, what to do for themselves, but, um, I think people start feeling stuck. Like, I think a lot of times the issues with depression and anxiety is that, you know, we can get in our heads and then it's hard to get out of there. It's like, how do you get the heck out of your head, you know? You're, like, trapped in your head. It's like being trapped, locked in a room with a bunch of negative people. Either people who are making you worry, that's anxiety, or people who are making you sad, that's depression. And it's like... You're stuck in a room with them indefinitely. Nobody tells you how long you're going to be there, how long you have to stay. And these people are just sitting there talking about all these types of stuff that's just stressing you out. And so, like, all the type of stuff they're talking about that's stressing you out, um, that's either stuff that's going to make you worry or stuff that's making you sad. Or maybe the worry leads to sadness or maybe the sadness leads to worry. Uh, depression and anxiety oftentimes can come kind of hand in hand like that, unfortunately, because if they if they don't get managed, then it can result in some other issues for sure, unfortunately. Um, so, um, that can definitely be an issue, guys, and I know a lot of people struggle. It ain't easy. Um, you know, a lot of people find themselves, you know, trying to get, trying to get a leg up and that's where behavioral activation usually comes into play. It's more like, you know, doing stuff that you don't want to do, uh, just kind of forcing it just to get the ball rolling, to get the momentum going. Cause it's all it's all a game sometimes it's like a mind game and I'm not saying like you know being suicidal or anything like that is a game but it, it's like the mind creates these games almost that we have to resolve that's kind of how I look at it and it's like like when my mind is like flipping out about something I'm like okay what's really going on here because it's usually not the case that like you know, my day was going good, my day was going good, everything was perfect and fine, then all of a sudden, this thing just springs out of nowhere, and, like, takes me out, you know, um, I can have days, like, last Thursday, that ordinarily would be overwhelming, ultra stressful, but I'm maybe not overwhelmed or ultra stressed, and I could have days, like, today, where, you know, ultimately, I'm, pretty much set to just chill and you know do what I gotta do for myself and it can be a very you know I can be super anxious or super sad and so um I would say with sadness with depression um sadness and depression aren't the same thing uh depression's deeper than sadness it's longer lasting it's it's been going on for a while 
uh, sadness can come and go, you know, like, depression, depression is more of, like, a state, like, if it's been, like, two weeks, and you've still been feeling, like, even off and on, kind of, like, really low, and you've got all these other things going on, you know, um, the fatigue, the issues with memory, the issues with speed, the issues with, um, kind of, like, finishing things, starting things, motivation, versus if you're sad, it's like, okay, maybe my mood is low, and I don't uh, really want to do much because my mood is low, but you're usually, you can still function, um, but, so with depression, if someone's trying to figure out an activating event, I feel like it can be hard because the brain can be foggy and slow and not really, like, very sharp and active. Um, and so it can be hard on the memory. You might notice, okay, today I'm sad. Yesterday I was sad. The day before that I wasn't. I, I notice it's hard for people to identify their sadness. It's hard for people to look and say, okay, this is where I noticed my mood was dipping and I started feeling sad and low. Um, this is where I noticed that, you know, I didn't feel okay. Um, this is where I noticed that, you know, I wanted to shoot that person's coming out of that car. There's a person who like crashes in this car over here. And she's just now coming out. Um, I don't understand. But anyways, yeah. Um, I've noticed that it's like... Um, it's just hard for people. You know, it's hard for people to... Um, to go and get out and, you know, try and, um, you know, take the steps that they need when they're depressed. Um, but I think it can be hard to find an activating event. Usually it's not like, like what I've often noticed is that it's not usually just like one thing. Like, it's not commonly, like, one thing happens, um, I'm, uh, one thing happens, I'm depressed or sad, and then, um, that's how I got that way, um, because it, it can be tricky, like, sometimes I would say, you know, something common that I see as well is that like people will be fine but then like maybe there's a specific person that kind of gets to them um and it's triggering and so when those types of circumstances arise when it's like a triggering experience um that means that there may be, like, 
um, like certain trauma triggers, like trauma triggers to a person's depression. So if something happens, like an event, like say there's like a wedding or some kind of anniversary dinner or something, and there's someone there that a person doesn't want to see, um, that can be in itself a triggering experience if they have to interact with that person, and then that person goes and does or says something, uh, that's triggering, um, and then that leads the person who's feeling triggered to possibly go into a depressed mood, a depressed state for like some days and then not, like they can still feel all those symptoms of like depression, but it might have been triggered by something more related to trauma. Uh, that could happen with anxiety too, you know, if someone has like a panic attack or has like, um, you know, anxiety that's so high that they have to avoid something that they wanted to do or miss out on something that they paid for. Um, and then now they're sad because they're like, man, like, you know, I don't have my anxiety under control and it's causing me to miss out on things. And now I feel bad because I'm missing out on things. It's like, that can be, that can be a setback as well. And so, you know, people can have these types of unfortunate situations where there's these setbacks and these experiences that are negative and unhelpful and uncomfortable and a person might be unhappy and there's all these things going on that are like that and that can be hard. That can be really hard for a person um, to deal with. So depression is not always in isolation the reason why I'm mentioning all that is because that's what makes it I think harder for people to be able to identify that activating event because it could be something like oh you know um like for me I know I have insomnia you know I have since I was a kid but the insomnia is not like an isolated thing Uh, I know where it comes from but then that can also lead to a depressive state if I'm like um, not sleeping well for quite a few days and then not exercising because I didn't sleep good so now I'm tired and groggy and then have to make this decision between okay do I have some C4 to get my energy pumped up and then um, once I have the C4, am I gonna have my energy in a good state where I can, like, function, or what am I actually gonna do, you know? Um, and so I've noticed that can be, like, a thing, you know? So, it can be hard to really know, you know? So that could be, like, an activating event, um... excuse me, I'm sneezing, um, that can be an activating event, and then, um, you know, 
that can lead to all these other ways of feeling. So, um, when you have beliefs about about the event um, and about how or why you're feeling the way that you do, if you have beliefs about it, um, you might end up um, maybe like being more down on yourself, but it is good to know your beliefs behind why you're feeling, how you're feeling, um, and core beliefs underlying, that's harder to get to, but it's not impossible, but core beliefs are more like, what's underlying the surface, like, what do I believe genuinely about myself, usually it's kind of like negative beliefs, it's not usually like, oh, I believe that I'm, uh, really capable, and outstanding, and, you know, a go-getter, and so I'm depressed because of that, like, usually that's not how it is, like, usually there's, like, doubts involved, um, you know, like, like, not believing in oneself, and, or not believing that a situation can get better, or just being kind of over a situation, just being like, I don't want to deal with this for much longer and I don't see it changing and I don't have the energy to kind of do what I need to do for it to change uh, that can usually lead to to depression uh, getting worse and um, I'm kind of trying to choose my words wisely because you know I would never recommend for a person to not get treated if they feel like they're not, um, if, if they start feeling like hopeless, you know, it makes more sense to try to see somebody about it to get that support. And even if you have a a therapist that's not working directly with the depression or a therapist that's maybe it's like, eh, even if you're like, I don't really know about therapy, you can still get a therapist and just run your week by them, you know, and do like, I kind of like to call it fluff work. It's like, you're not really doing anything, but it's kind of like, it's better than nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, at least you have somebody in your court that's there if you need them, when you need them versus I think that's better than waiting until you need somebody and then trying to reach out then because a lot of times unless you're in a very severe state unfortunately they're not gonna um, usually schedule you like same day or next day like usually there's a longer waiting period um I think some of the first therapists I ever tried to call were through work uh, my work uh, EAP program and I remember the wait times were so long and everything was like, you know, back, you know, they had like a, like they had like a list of like a wait list and I was just like, you know, by the time the wait list was, was getting finished, you know, I was like, I don't really need the help anymore because it was like two months later, you know, so it was kind of like, 
you know, um, I definitely had experiences where I didn't really finish doing what I, what I was trying to start doing with getting help from people because it was going to take too dang long. And I wasn't trying to have that long period of waiting time. And another experience that I've had is when I was like, okay, I know things are getting worse and it's like getting in the way of my goals. So let me reach out. And then like all that, like back and forth, just to get on the phone with someone who declines you, um, that's stressful too, you know, to be like, man, I worked hard to try to make these calls and you're explaining on these screenings on the phone, like, Hey, I don't feel well. Hey, I feel this way or that way. And like, I'm not getting my work done and reaching my goals and, you know, I'm not eating healthy and I'm not, you know, spending my money properly or whatever it may be. And then, you know, having somebody just be like, Oh, sorry, we can't take you for a lot of people. That's like, you know, that rejection is not helpful at a time when they are in need. Um, and sometimes those online support things, like I said, um, since the Rona, they have not been very immediately helpful. Like sometimes they're helpful, but it's like not in the immediate time. Uh, some of those lines won't answer for hours. Um, whereas before they used to answer in like five minutes or so. Um, Seven Cups does, has started to suck way more, but it, it at least gives you like an estimated time, which is kind of a wrong estimation. And then once you get connected, it might be maybe not a good fit of a person because a lot of the people on there don't really want to talk, um, or aren't really good at talking, um, or, or listening about things they're on there they've got other motives I think sometimes unfortunately uh, I've talked about that before I'm not trying to be prejudiced but I really have noticed that you know I try to stick to the Canadians the people from the US and the people from the UK um, uh, I did have someone from uh, an African country that was really helpful and but yeah most of the time when I see flags from like Pakistan or, or India those are the ones that I'm usually like the majority of the time I have not felt helped by most of the people um but then there are also Americans that I didn't find helpful too there are a lot of it doesn't matter the country specifically but I just noticed I've noticed a trend because I go on there a lot um there's a lot of sites that I like to use just for like journaling type of purposes um so yeah I mean um, so back with the depression, you know, looking at what consequences would look like. So what is the result of this activating event and the beliefs behind it? Um, did it lead you to have certain thoughts, certain behaviors, actions that you did, um, or didn't do? Like, did you overeat because it was satisfying did you undereat because you're too exhausted and fatigued and low energy to cook a proper meal? Did you overspend because you're too exhausted to cook and you want something proper to eat, but now you got to spend 30 bucks on an, on an Uber Eats or Instacart delivery? 
you know, this overpriced, um, what it, what's, what's the deal, you know, what are you going to do? So, um, like, what have you got going on? So, um, that's kind of how I'd say to kind of look at it, um, and just kind of seeing what you can break down. I mean, depression can be scary, and I would say, um, if you, if you start noticing that it's harder to kind of do that whole thing that what do they say like pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you start noticing you know for yourself like what does that look like for it to be not good like I notice for myself if I can't go to the gym after three consecutive days something's probably up with me because I rarely have three days where I don't have energy like three consecutive days of of such low energy just naturally low energy that I don't want to work out. And even if my energy is low, um, I usually value exercise just because um, of the pleasant experiences that I have after doing it. So I might dislike getting going and getting prepared to go, like, drive over to the gym and, like, part of my mind is usually like well you can just work out at home it's free um you can do sit-ups and push-ups in your room squats lunges um whatever like you don't really yoga you don't really need equipment to do any of, of that kind of stuff and you can do it at home and it still you know counts as a workout and you don't have to go anywhere you don't have to talk to anybody you can sit in your room do it by yourself um and stay as isolated as you want to stay and still do it um, so when I find that I can't even work out at home for three days, um, then I start to question, you know, what's really going on? Like when it's not, when it's not even like, I'm not even saying like that I haven't like finished the workout or started the workout. I'm saying like, if I literally don't have any desire, like if I'm, if I find myself being like, I don't really want to exercise. I don't want to take care of myself or eat healthy today. Like when I start seeing myself having that mindset and it's like, okay, maybe it's a cheat day, you know, so I can give myself the benefit of the doubt there. But if I have like three consecutive days like that, I'm like, that's not normal. And I remember when I was working uh, at my other job before I left it, uh, the clinic job by the border, I remember telling my friends, I was like, you know, I can be over something, like, mentally just over it, drained, tired, sick of it, but if I notice myself for, like, 10 consecutive weekdays, that's a two-week period, if I'm waking up and going to work and barely able to get out of bed and go do it, I'm like, two weeks is a long time, that's going to be my sign that I want to leave, and there was a point where I reached that level, where I was like, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, um, you know, so there was a point where I reached that level, um, and I never knew when that level was gonna be, but once I hit it, I was like, I know I'm here, um, and I think sometimes it just takes something like that, just kind of knowing yourself well enough to understand what's going on, 
Because if you have something like a three-day period or a five-day period or seven-day period or whatever it is, where you can trace and be like, oh, like I've had like so many consecutive bad days or like like out of nine days I had like five really bad days or out of nine days I had like seven really bad days, you know, and reevaluating and being like, okay, is that within my norm or is that way off for me? And trying to catch it early and be like, okay, that identifies that I need some help or that identifies that I need to start practicing some skills or using some behavioral activation. Um, what is going on? Um, sorry, I thought I heard some screaming or something. Um, but yeah, if you kind of start noticing stuff like that, um, because I think with depression, the issue is a lot of us, you know, we have moods that kind of fluctuate. I'm like that. Like, I'll wake up. Today I woke up. It's Monday. It felt good. And now as the day is going on, I'm kind of like, okay, there's a lot of stuff on my to-do list that I'm kind of sitting here like, you know, I really don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to finish this stuff, you know, if I'm really going to like follow through with it, you know. Um, and kind of starting to have an attitude that's sort of like that, you know, but, um, yeah, when I think about it, I'm like, I'm not really, um, like, I might not really be, like, that concerned about how I feel, and then other times I might be super concerned, like, wow, this isn't like me, like, you know, why do I feel like this, so, um, you know, like, once you know yourself really well, and you can kind of, you know, look at your own checklist of, like, how you're doing with things, you can kind of catch it early, and I feel like once, once depression is caught early, it's, like, it's not impossible to manage it when it's not early, so don't get me wrong, but it gets a little harder because the issue is you know if you're supposed to be practicing skills to make you feel better or doing tasks like cooking healthier foods so that you'll feel better or eating at certain times so you'll feel better or exercising so you'll feel better or sleeping better so you'll feel better or doing any specific thing so that you're going to feel better off um if you find yourself not doing those things then the question is usually, why am I not doing them? And, you know, even if you're not depressed, you know, if you just stop um, stop practicing any kind of self-care activities, if you just don't do them anymore, um, then somebody... All these people are parking. If somebody's like that and they're like, you know, say if you never exercise, you never eat healthy, you never get sunshine, um, you never socialize and interact and have fun, um, you never get your money situated, um, you're probably honestly just gonna naturally feel some sort of depression. That's just kind of how it is. Um, 
you're probably just going to naturally feel unwell, you know, because our minds and bodies need us to be doing those things. They need us to be, you know, keeping in line, um, because if we can't keep all that stuff in mind, you know, the mind gets sick, basically. It gets ill, and it's like, just like if you feed yourself a bunch of candy and cookies and cake for every single meal, eventually you're not going to feel that good. You know, if you don't, like, if there's certain stuff if you don't do, you're just not going to feel good. Or you're going to have to try to supplement that bad feeling and find something else to do that makes you feel better. Um, Which is a lot of times why people can turn to substances because it's like, well, if I can't get all this other stuff in line and I don't have a prescribed medication and I don't have a therapist and I don't have the social support and I'm not bolstering up kind of, you know, different parts of my lifestyle with like things that are going to kind of feed, feed the needs that I have, then I'm going to try to get those needs met in other ways. And, you know, I feel like it's a fine line to walk. Um, I mean, people can microdose, people can do like small amounts of things, but sometimes people just want to like zone out and get a little bit plastered off something and that's their own choice. But I would say, um, for the people that do, I mean, I'm not like, I can't give medical advice, but I would say for people who are interested in like microdose types of things that they do by themselves, and this is not medical advice because I'm not legally allowed to give that, but you know, if you're familiar with something that you're comfortable with, you know, I, I, I'll talk to my own experience because I'm familiar with psilocybin and with cannabis. And I would say if I microdose one of those, it often resets a little bit of how I think. So let me give you an example. If I microdose psilocybin, it makes me want to eat vegetables. Like I don't, care to eat meat I want to eat fruits and vegetables that's all I want to eat that's all I care about I love it um my body loves it it's delicious and it's delightful and I love it um if I want um some other type of I guess uh meal I mean, if I want, not meal, but if I want, um, you know, to kind of delve into something where I notice, you know, I've got like this cognitive block around it, uh, you know, I find cannabis helpful for diving deeper into issues. It's helpful for journaling and things like that. And then taking those experiences and you know, making them more, uh, it makes things a little more helpful for me, in all honesty, um, so yeah, I do find it beneficial, um, maybe a little bit more beneficial than not, most of the time. So I would say, um, 
I would say, yeah, I do find um, those those times to be more helpful. Um, if I've got nothing else going, um, it can be worse too. Because sometimes if you delve into something and you go really deep behind some door that you're like, whoa, I did not know that I was going to unlock that today. And you might kind of be blindsided by it and just be like, oh shoot, now I got to deal with this, you know. Um, but I almost feel like it's almost like, um, I don't know, this is the worst, this is the worst analogy I'm about to give, but it's almost like a laxative. It's like, sometimes you have stuff bottled up in you and it's like, it needs to come out and it's not going to be pleasant. Like taking like massive dumps isn't necessarily like a pleasant thing. Uh, and especially if you can't really time it the way that you want not like a pleasant thing but um once you do it you know you feel a little bit better so um that's kind of like how I feel about certain things it's like I'd rather dive into them and go deep on some level into something and just get it out of me rather than do nothing um and sit in the same mindset recycling the same unhelpful thoughts and beliefs about things and unhelpful patterns that follow uh, versus doing something to kind of break that cycle um, and so you know I you know I don't want people to think that I'm like oh yeah take drugs you'll, you'll be fine or it's the best idea it's not the best idea for everybody but for some people you know it is an option you know and for some people it's a legal option so I'm not one to really discourage people from doing things that might work. And I think that sometimes, you know, um, you know, sometimes there might be those alternative methods that get, um, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, I've run into therapists that, aren't really too understanding about about things like especially like cannabis products like I feel like I'd say the most recent experience I've had with somebody um talking to me about cannabis products was somebody who didn't seem to know about it and I felt like they were kind of putting words in my mouth like they were like well does it ever make you unmotivated and unable to do the things that you need to do and I'm like well no because I'm taking it at night and so unless I make the conscious decision to take it in the daytime when I know that I'm going to have a day where I'm not trying to do anything anyways then no it doesn't you know and they kind of spun it in a way that made it sound that I was saying that it was getting in my way and then they started talking to me about these other kind of prescription meds and I'm like, no, nah, I don't really want to deal with side effects of that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were kind of like a little bit like pushing, like, well, if you want to stop using cannabis, here's some resources. And then if you want, you know, to talk about meds, they, they, cause that's what they're familiar with. That's what they're taught. They're not taught anything else. And so, and a lot of them don't experiment with it anyways, and so they don't really know what they're saying. Um, so that's kind of one of those things where it's like, 
You know, when you think about it, for centuries, for generations, people were using cannabis products as medicine. For ages, people were using it as medicine. There are plenty of cultures where that is a fact. And I'm not saying that what is available to smoke legally these days is equivalent to what people were home growing and buying medicinally way back then. Um, I know that there's a difference. Like, they've made it for commercial purposes. Um, So what we do smoke these days is not equivalent. I'm aware of that. Um, And to me, that's kind of more the issue is because there hasn't been all that research done on um, the newer, a lot of the newer strains. So, um, and a lot of people don't talk about it medicinally because you kind of can't, you know, and I feel like as humans, a lot of times, like, I don't know, I have this weird way of looking at, at the world sometimes, and I notice that, you know, as humans, you know, especially in Western culture, like, a lot of times we're kind of taught, okay, you need to have a professional to help you with this, otherwise you'll never figure it out, and yes, I'm not saying don't go to doctors, don't, you know, don't go to therapists, don't go to psychiatrists, I would never say that, but, you know, especially if you don't have, like, some pervasive mental illness kind of issue going on, um, I would say a lot of the times we can heal ourselves, you know, um, the issue is more so the education behind it. Like, sometimes we don't know exactly what we're doing. And because we don't know exactly what we're doing, you know, we can't really help ourselves. Like, if a person, for example, is anemic, um, their energy is going to fluctuate. You know, they're not going to feel their absolute best all the time. Um, So if there's a person that's, um, you know, maybe not, um, I don't know, people, people can be, um, unfamiliar with things, um, and maybe not quite ready to, um, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, like, I just think that I wish the people in legal states would be trained, like, and this is probably not the place to really talk about all that, but it's kind of like, one thing that I notice is like, okay, I've, I live in a legal state, and my doctors, I've chosen doctors that work with minorities and doctors who are minorities themselves, right, and, you know, I, I told the nurse that I vape because they ask if you smoke and I always say no because I know that they mean cigarettes but I'm like but I vape and then I told them it's cannabis 
and you know they weren't really aware of how much or how what like they don't ask you anything you know they ask you how how many times a day I mean or a week or something and it's like I mean they need to know more questions like they need to know how much you're vaping how strong is what you're vaping like what strain is it you know like in general is it like an indica or a sativa is it a hybrid is it cbd only like is it natural do you know what the brand is you know all these things matter but to them i don't think it matters um because they don't know what to ask because they don't know anything about it um they just know it used to be illegal now it's not um and people smoke it and you know you can be under the influence of cannabis and never answer you know never have a question come up about if you're using anything because people want to know if you're smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol and you know you can be eating marijuana edibles and having chocolate psilocybin you know squares every day and high off your ass and nobody would really there's usually not a lot of screening questions about that like usually they want to know about alcohol and cigarettes and so it's kind of like antiquated um and also the reasons why people use those things usually doctors don't seem to really understand um they don't know what to ask or what to follow up like uh, I told them, you know, I use it because it helps me sleep, you know, like it helps me get some journaling done and then I just, you know, get some things off my mind and I fall asleep. And because I can get cannabis more easily from people than melatonin and because my doctor hasn't officially prescribed melatonin and that's coming out of pocket, it's basically cheaper for me to smoke pot and use and use edibles than it is for me to buy melatonin. You know, and I don't feel as groggy when I've had, you know, cannabis products. Like, I don't feel as groggy as I do with melatonin. Melatonin does make me a little bit groggy the next day. And so, things like that, where I'm just like, you know, they're not asking the right questions. Um, and this has been legal for quite some years now. So, I don't really know. I don't see it changing because I feel like to them it's not like an issue. And then on the other end, on the mental health end, outside of physical health the mental health doctor and you know sometimes when they don't really know anything they usually try to push people into other stuff and a lot of times there are a lot of us that don't believe in um non-natural medicines like yeah of course you know if i'm having chocolate with psilocybin it might not be organic. I mean, the one I have is, but it might not be. Or if I'm having marijuana gummies, it might not be organic. Um, but, you know, so it might have chemical chemicals in it and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, that's something I know, you know. And I can get it myself and regulate it myself. It's not some doctor giving me something that they say is going to work and then they minimize the side effects I've had that before where doctors tell you the side effects that they think you want to hear I've had that happen more than once where doctors have told me oh you know this might happen but it's very rare and then next thing you know it's like man I'm being taken out by this medicine every other day or whatever it's like I can't have that 
they didn't tell me that was going to happen and it's impacting it's too impacting to like continue to do it because like you know who's gonna who's gonna keep on doing who's gonna keep on you know doing things that are gonna make you feel bad you know um cannabis doesn't make me feel bad you know psilocybin can make me feel bad but i know how to take it so it won't and so you know i feel like to me that's a better trade-off i'd rather have the stuff that i know that i can get that i have that's easy and it's relatively free for me and um or cheap for me and i know it and i've experimented with it enough to kind of know what i'm doing with it and you know versus doctors that kind of want to sometimes they want to put words in your mouth and sometimes i'm like well i'm i'm a pretty intelligent person you know like I think if I was taking something that was affecting me so much that I couldn't get anything done, I think, I think that would be apparent by now, um, but I haven't come across anything where it's like, I'm not able to do as much as I maybe once was, um, not related to this, but... I don't know, guys, like, like, I can't tell people to go using stuff, um, and, you know, doctors are gonna say what they're gonna say, because it is a controversial issue, I'm, people know my stance, um, but then again, I, I think that there is space to say that not everybody should be taking those things, um, and that's for sure, and, you know, um, there's so much variation about what people are taking, that you might not really know what you're taking in all honesty so it's really hard to like recommend things for people unless unless it's something specifically I've had um like I've recommended things to friends before but sometimes they people just go for what's cheap or what the bud tender tells them to have or what's on sale and that's not usually how it works it's like you gotta kind of make a different make a decision in a different way than what you're used to like a lot of there's kind of a bit of a steep learning curve with it and a lot of times people aren't familiar with any of it they don't teach you about it in school they don't teach you hardly anything um other than not to do it and then usually when you're talking to like a pcp or psychiatrist or therapist a lot of them aren't really going to understand a lot about it um, I think the ones that do understand about it are the ones who tried it. Like, most of the other people probably don't understand enough about it. Um, I feel like it's almost, it's, I don't know if it's the same as, like, alcohol, but, like, you know, people have, like, their stigma with things, and then, you know, they're gonna try to treat you accordingly, and I can kind of tell that, you know the people I'm involved with for my healthcare right now do not know a thing about that type of stuff. And so I would be a little bit more hesitant uh, with them. But I don't know. Like I'm, uh, I guess we're just going to have to see kind of how things kind of how things unfold with that but uh, I don't think I really have too much more to say on that note 
but um uh, hopefully this is helpful and with that thanks for listening